Welcome fellow Lions fans. I'm Dr. Jimmy Liao, University of Michigan Medical School grad, board certified in family medicine, here with your divisional championship edition of your weekly Lions medical update, where I'm going to review all the health news this week involving the Lions, as well as what's going up with our opponents this weekend, which are the Cowboys Saturday night. What a great Christmas weekend. I must not have been too naughty this year because I got almost everything I wanted, a divisional championship, a home playoff game, which I'm not going to, but I'm super happy for all the Lions fans who are going to be able to experience that live. I was also hoping for a little CJGJ in my stocking, but I guess he's going to be a New Year's baby. I'm recording this Wednesday evening. I'm going to be talking about CJGJ's possible return, as well as the Vikings game recap, Derek Barnes, Bruce Irvin, Brock Wright, Jerry Jacobs, Aleem McNeil, and James Houston. We'll do all that next. Lions fans, it's time for the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where Kool-Aid runs blue, faces turn red, and rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is the Detroit Lions podcast. Wow. First division title since 1993. Feels great. It's been so long. 1993, I was a sophomore in college at UPenn in Philadelphia. That means I didn't get to watch many Lions games. There wasn't Sunday ticket back then, as far as I know. I certainly didn't have that in the dorm rooms of Penn. Also, the internet was just barely coming online at that point. I think I got my first email address in about that year. So definitely no illegal streams to watch. The only Lions information I got was from my dad, who would mail me... The Detroit News and the Free Press paper newspapers once a week. He'd mail me the Monday or Tuesday editions. I might get them Thursday or Friday, and I would read all about the Lions games. I would also go to the Penn Library every day. I'd check out the USA Today there, which was the national newspaper at that time and would only give you a little blurb about each NFL game in there. Usually the Lions game would only get like two or three sentences, and that's all you would get from a national perspective. So what a difference it is 30 years later, unlimited stuff to read on the internet, and enough podcasts to fill up your entire week. And that's just this channel with Bish and Brown, Ash, Chris and Riz, Sandman, and maybe even more guys I don't even know about. So much more enjoyable to be an NFL fan these days. All right, now let's do a Vikings game recap. Josh Paschal reportedly had some kind of hand injury during the game. I did not see any significant issue during the game. He went down twice, once early in the second quarter and another another time early in the third quarter. He did not stay down for very long. Trainers never had to come out, never really left the game. So probably nothing too serious with him. Kirby Joseph in the fourth quarter he hit Justin Jefferson really hard, had some discomfort, and was clearly in some distress as he went down, suspecting nothing serious, a right-side stinger. He was tested on the sideline, doing some shoulder strength exercises. He tried to re-enter the game two plays later, but the refs sent him off for a concussion eval, missed the rest of the series, but was back in at the start of the next series, so no issues with him. Demo, in the second quarter, Got a pretty hard hit to the head, the right side of his head. 
It was a hard hit, but there was no significant whiplash type mechanism, which is a acceleration deceleration mechanism, which creates significant trauma as the brain hits the inside of the skull. Did not see that on the replay. He stayed down just a second longer than maybe normal. But when I rewatch the game, he often stays on his back and lets his teammates come to help him up. So him being on his back for just a second really wasn't anything unusual. When he got up, there was no difficulty getting up, no signs of ataxia, which is wobbliness, no dizziness, no confusion. The main concussion sign that he presented was blinking his eyes rapidly on the sideline. That could be signs of a concussion, but not necessarily. Could be photophobia, could be vision blurriness. Hard to say for sure. It was uncertain if he actually had a concussion evaluation on the sideline or not. He missed the rest of the series, but he returned the very next series in the second quarter and threw that awesome halfback lateral pass, which was a dime. Now, there was some misinformation online that he didn't return until midway or late in the third quarter, but that was incorrect. He did return very quickly in the game in the second quarter. And in the third quarter, Jameer Gibbs got a lot of carries early on, but I think that was mainly because Gibbs was much more effective during the game. But Demo played most of the game, really no issues. So the bottom line is no definite signs of concussion on video. Certainly worthy of an evaluation monitoring, though. Now, in general, just something to know about concussions is they're not a black and white issue. It's not like a pregnancy test where you're pregnant or you're not. There can be a gray area where it's uncertain whether someone had a concussion or not. It's possible Demo had very, very brief symptoms of a concussion for just a few seconds, but then was totally fine after that. Does that raised to the level of a true concussion or not. Again, this is a gray area. No way to test for sure. No lab test, no imaging that's going to be able to tell us for sure. Now, his last concussion was in 2020. So he's not a guy who's had frequent documented official concussions, which is good news. Now, before I get to the injury report for this week, I just want to do a quick little recap overview of the season. I feel like the season overall has been a pretty fortunate one from an injury standpoint. Now, as Lions fans, we're always worried about injuries. We feel like we get a lot of injuries every year. But this year, I feel like it's been pretty darn good for us. Three reasons. Number one, most of these injuries we've had were short-term injuries, where guys only miss one to three games. Examples are Ragnow, who missed games with a calf and then his knee Taylor Decker with a high ankle. Brian Branch also with a high ankle. Amon Ra missed one game with an abdominal strain. Jonah Jackson with a wrist as well as a high ankle. Anzalone with a thumb injury. Jameer Gibbs missed two games with a hamstring. Demo missed a game with a thigh contusion and a couple games with a rib cartilage issue. Having these guys miss just one to three games during the season does have benefits down the road as we get later into the season right now during this playoff push and then into the playoffs. As long as losing these guys during the season doesn't cost us too many regular season games, which in this season it has not. We're 11-4, so we're in real good shape. These guys missing a couple games means they're fresher come playoff time. They're going to be healthier. They're going to be more active. They're going to be faster. So this is good news as we head into the playoffs. The other reason 
we have a missing just two or three games helps us is it decreases the exposure to a severe season-ending injury, a freak injury like we saw with James Houston. So who knows if these guys didn't miss two or three games, maybe one of those games they would have played would have ended in a freak injury. It did not. These guys are healthy going to the playoffs, so this is great news. Now, in other sports like the NBA, we see teams rest guys due to load management reasons. That's because the NBA regular season is totally meaningless and excessively long. So any team that's halfway decent makes the playoffs and seeding is not important. In the NFL, it's a little bit different because the regular season is so important and every game is so important. Adding the 17th game a few years ago, I think it does start to slightly possibly tip the scale towards maybe informally teams plan on having guys take one or two games off during the season. It's just something to watch as the years go on in the future. For example, Amon Ra this year with the abdominal strain that he played through in the Lambeau-Packers game, he probably could have played the next game, but maybe they think, you know, this guy's a heavy-use guy. We'll give him a game off during the season for this minor injury. It'll keep him fresher throughout the year. Second reason that the season has been pretty fortunate is we've only had four major long-term injuries to key guys. One was C.J. G.J., who hopefully will be returning soon. He got hurt in Game 2. The safety position has been in flux, sort of up and down this year. Melifang has been playing great the past couple games, but it's been a little bit shaky this year. So his loss was pretty big. James Houston lost him in Game 2. That's a big loss because we don't have any guys besides Hutchinson who are really winning these one-on-one battles rushing the passer. Emmanuel Mosley getting her three snaps into his season was a big deal. He could easily be our starting cornerback right now. And then Vitae in and out early in the year, then end up going on IR, basically missing most of the year. He was starting guard at the beginning of the year. Thankfully, we had Graham Glasgow, who's been playing well and has stayed healthy this year. So he's a loss, but fortunately not a major loss. Third reason that the season's been pretty good is no concussions officially throughout the entire regular season. Panay had one in training camp that was officially documented, but the regular season has been clean, which is sort of amazing. There are a couple of close calls which may unofficially have been minor concussions. Aleem McNeil was hit on the side of his head in the second Packers game, was down for a little bit. Possibly that was a concussion, but on video, no obvious concussion signs besides being down. Then Demo, as we talked about, possibly last game versus the Vikings with his eye blinking, maybe just a very brief concussion. Again, hard to say with that. But overall, the concussion news for this year has been great. Moving on, let's talk about the injury report. This is Wednesday. Since our game is on Saturday, we've already had two reports this week. So let's go over the Lions report. First of all, great that Pascal... Kirby and Demo are not on the report. Great news that none of their injuries were serious or concerning. Taylor Decker popped up unexpectedly on the report. I rewatched the whole game and focused on Taylor Decker's groin and did not see anything of note. Did not see him go down, did not see him hobbled at all. So hopefully that is not anything too serious. 
the Tuesday report is an estimation, so we can't really take that too much at face value. It is reassuring that they put him as an LP on Tuesday. Wednesday NP does raise a little bit of concern, but I think that Tuesday LP hopefully suggests that this is just a precautionary issue and that he will be available. So we'll know a lot more on the Thursday report. Jason Cabinda has not played since game three. So he's had two LPs, but his availability isn't a big deal either way. Brock Wright with a hip. He missed last game with the hip. It was reassuring he was not placed on IR, but it is mildly concerning that he's had two NPs at this point. Hopefully something like a mild hip flexor strain, hopefully not an intra-articular hip issue, otherwise a joint issue, which could be a more serious deal. Derek Barnes with a shoulder. He missed last game with a suspected right AC joint sprain. Likely a very mild sprain. Two FPs suggest that. No big deal. He should be available if they want him. CJGJ with a pack, two LPs. We really want to see him get an FP. It's possible he could play this weekend, but they might not play him until we see an FP on the practice report. So we'll see what shows up on Thursday. Jerry Jacobs, good news that his hamstring is fine. He's back to two FPs, so that's not a long-term deal. Ragnow and Sewell, both with FPs, dealing with minor issues. Sewell had a shoulder on the report last week, played through it just fine, so no concerns with either of those two guys. Both of them will be available for the Cowboys. Now let's talk about the Cowboys injury report. I watched their entire game versus the Dolphins. Didn't see any significant injuries. They played a clean game, so... Nothing new from that game. The main thing to watch is Tyron Smith with a back injury. He missed the last game versus Miami. He's already had two NPs this week. So that suggests that he may not be available this Saturday either. He had a doubtful designation going to the game last week against the Dolphins, which usually means that there's a chance they can play the next week. But an NP on Wednesday puts that in doubt. Adoga, who filled in for him at left tackle, really struggled during the game against Miami. He's got a limited participation on Wednesday as well. So their LT position could be a struggling position in the game. So that's something to really watch out for. Jonathan Hankins is the other one. High ankle sprain on video. He missed the last two games. He generally plays about 30 to 50% of snaps. He's got three sacks on the year. NP on Wednesday definitely puts that in doubt again, especially with a high ankle sprain, which can be a tough one to come back from. Zach Martin had a left thigh contusion a couple weeks ago when he left the game, but he did play last week against Miami. Uh, NP on Wednesday, though, uh, that looks like it's a rest designation, so it looks like he'll be fine for our game. Now some updates on the rest of the Lions players in this season, Bruce Irvin was surprisingly not activated last game. He played 11 snaps the week before coming off a left high ankle. There was no report that he was not practicing last week, so it was a little bit surprised he did not get activated. Now, Jeff Risden had said that the coaches might not be viewing him as highly as we might think. So sounds like possibly just a coach's decision there. Though it wouldn't surprise me if there were still some lingering effects from the left high ankle sprain he had 
about three weeks ago. Now, CJGJ, I want to do an update on him. Again, he's had two LPs this week. He might need to get an FP before he actually gets thrown out there. I think we got to get him in the game as soon as possible. Getting him in the rotation is not just important from a physical standpoint, but also from a chemistry standpoint. Our secondary has been in flux recently with Jerry Jacobs being demoted, Tracy Walker getting demoted, Malafangu upgraded, Dorsey and Vilder are playing. So communication issues in the secondary are a major deal that CJGJ has to get re-involved with. I remember in the Seahawks game, we gave up a touchdown where CJGJ after the game or after that play looked like he was a little confused, like there was some miscommunication. So I think we got to get him in the game as much as possible. Now, how will we be integrated into the game with Melifango playing well and Kirby Joseph playing well? It's going to be interesting. I'll defer to our other pods on this channel for more in-depth analysis. Bish and Brown, I'm sure will talk about it. Ash will talk about it. Chris and Riz, listen to their analysis. And maybe Riz will write a nice in-depth article, which he likes to do, about these kind of things. So maybe watch for that in the next few days. Maybe we run some three safety looks. Now, we all hate what Matt Patricia did for our defense during his tenure here. He was just a disaster as a coordinator. But one thing I think he did do decently well from my memory is he played a three safety look with Tavon Wilson, which was pretty effective during that two to three year span. So maybe we see something like that with CJGJ. All right, let's move on to James Houston. Again, looking more and more pessimistic as every day goes on. Early this week, Dan Campbell said that his practice window might get activated, but then he hedged to saying possibly next week. It's Wednesday. His practice window has not been activated, so it's not looking good for this week. We're only 11 days till the regular season finale at this point. 21-day practice window means we're starting to look into the first or second round. The first round playoff game is 18 days away. Second round is 25 days away. Again, I'm guessing he's going to need most of that practice window before he even plays. So it may just depend on how far we go into the playoffs to determine if we even get him back this year. It's also very concerning that with such little time left in the season, why not activate his practice window at this point? The fact that they're not activating it with such a short time left in the season is definitely a pessimistic sign. All right, a guy who may return this year is Ali McNeil. He's eligible to return off IR in the last game of the season versus the Vikings on January the 7th. Now, last week, Dan Campbell said that he's optimistic that he returns this season. Well, hopefully, we see his practice window get activated next Wednesday. That's something to really watch out for. Now, as far as him returning this season, it depends on how you define the season. If the season ends on the first playoff game, January the 14th, maybe he doesn't make it back. If the season ends February the 11th on the Super Bowl, then maybe he definitely comes back. So with Dan Campbell says saying he'll return this season optimistically, we don't know exactly what he means by this season. All right, that's it for today. Again, feel free to leave any comments on YouTube or Twitter. 
I love any feedback, love any other perspectives you guys might have on these injuries or any of the videos I post. Enjoy the Cowboys game Saturday night. Let's try to get into the playoffs, hopefully for that number one seed. Thanks for watching. Let's bring it in here together. Woo! Lions on three. One, two, three. Lions! You've had enough of that shit.